Jackson. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbert. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Oh, welcome. What a great audience we have here in our theater. And we are so glad to have an audience back with us in the theater for our show. I hope you'll come and join us. These guys have a lot of fun. And you know what's really cool? The tickets are free. That's right. Yeah. You know why that's important? Because there ain't nothing in Nashville that's free. <laughs> except this show. And I'll tell you, it's so good. I think a lot of people... They'll try to pay us when they leave. They say, we've had so much fun, we just can't do it for nothing. So there will be ushers at the doors as these folks leave. We'll take their credit cards, their checks, whatever they got. We really won't do that. All right, the slogan, Black Lives Matter, is indeed true. Of course, black lives matter. Our nation is founded on the premise that all men are created equal, and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No one, regardless of color, ethnicity, or origin, should ever be denied those God-given rights. So you bet black lives matter. But recently, the slogan has morphed into a meme that black lives have to matter more. And the left goes berserk if someone then adds, well, all lives matter. But isn't that the point? If historically black lives didn't matter as much, affirming that black lives matter equally should indeed be the uncompromised quest and the rightful demand. But if someone gets angry that recognizing that black lives matter because there is a quality of lives, then the assumption becomes that black lives matter more and thus that perpetuates inequality. Such an absurd view is illogical and it's irrational. And it becomes more than a slight to those who are white, who are no more guilty of their whiteness than someone is of his or her blackness. It's equally an insult to Asians, Hispanics, Native Americans, and Mideasterners who aren't black, but who are equally human and equally endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Why would that be offensive to those who chant Black Lives Matter? Well, it may be because Black Lives Matter is more than a slogan. It is the name of a radical left-wing Marxist organization that openly advocates for the dismantling of America's economic system, as well as the family structure involving a man, a woman, and children related by blood or adoption to that man or woman. Now, here's some of the actual language, direct from the website of the organization Black Lives Matter. I quote, we are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and to uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster a queer-affirming network 
When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual, unless she or he, they disclose otherwise." End quote. Now there's a whole lot more, and some of their goals are frankly shocking. So here's my question. Why do a major American corporations like Nike and Apple, GM, Coca-Cola, L.L. Bean, and others give millions of dollars to an organization whose stated goals are the deconstruction of the traditional family and the deconstruction of the free market economy that has empowered people of all colors to succeed and to prosper? It's a great question. It appears it's because they are afraid to say no to the bullies who run this and other radical leftist groups, and because too many of us who believe in true equality for all people, doesn't matter whether they're black, white, red, yellow, brown, sometimes we're afraid to stand up and speak out. But it's time we do speak out. I don't believe that a majority of Americans, whatever their color, support rioting, looting, disregard for authority to the point of physically assaulting police officers and demanding that we defund the police. But if we don't become as vocal in opposition to mob rule as the mobs are so as to cause the biggest corporations in our country, and even to have politicians of both parties cowering over in the corner and surrendering to the mobs, we're gonna get what we deserve, but we will not like it. The elections this year, not gonna be about political parties, not going to be a popularity contest to elect the most pleasant personality. Whether you identify as Democrat or Republican, you better identify as one who believes in the rule of law, civil order, and genuine equality for people that does not favor some over others for any reason. So, yes, black lives matter. And they don't matter less than any other. But neither do they matter more. And to say they do is bigotry. And yes, it's racism as surely as is the sinful notion of white supremacy. No race is supreme. God alone is supreme. And we need to live as servants to him and each other as we do unto others what we would have others do unto us. Well... Earlier this month, President Trump signed an executive order protecting America's monuments and memorials. That's after costly vandalism and sheer destruction. The president also announced a new initiative to create a National Garden of American Heroes. My first guest is U.S. Interior Secretary David Bernhardt. He's part of the task force undertaking that project to recognize our greatest citizens and their achievements. Mr. Secretary, you have an incredible number of things on the plate as Interior Secretary, but lately a lot of attention focused on some of the mob violence that's happened in uh, many of our federally owned properties. It has to give you some heartburn to see people going in and tearing down statues and defacing property that actually belongs to those very people, and sometimes they don't seem to know what they're tearing down. Well, you're absolutely right about that. The president um, has responded just like the American people, seeing these mobs literally try and rip our history out of, out of the ground uh, themselves. And we've taken bold action. The president 
has given us clear direction to guard our monuments. And then on top of that, he said to the criminals, if you, uh, if you come and try and deface or destroy a monument, you will be a, your crime will be investigated. You will be um, prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And he's directed the Department of Justice to work with us to prosecute people. And we are, we are in the process of rounding up these criminals, and they're going to learn that this is not jaywalking. It's a very serious crime. In some instances, they'll be doing 10 years in jail. And um, the reality is that if you want to change uh, monuments, there's a, there's a process that you can go through to do that. Uh, but you can't exercise self-help. The president has also taken bold action and said, look, we need to remember American exceptionalism. We need to highlight the great heroes we've had. And so he announced on July 3rd um, that he would be uh, tasking uh, uh, myself and other agencies to work to create an American uh, garden of uh, heroes. And we'll be doing that over the next several months. I, I thought that was a fascinating idea. I never had heard it before. The president put it forth when uh, he was doing the event at Mount Rushmore. Uh, any word yet as to where that would be? And uh, is there a committee? That, that always just scares me if there's a committee involved, but surely there's got to be a committee of some sorts putting together who would be included in that. Well, you're exactly right. The president's executive order um, established a group uh, made up of myself and a few other uh, agencies, and we have 60 days to provide him a report um, giving him options on where we should establish this. Um, we're in the process of doing that. We had our first meeting uh, earlier this week, as a matter of fact, and we are now um, in the process. We'll be notifying governors and others of, hey, if you have a particular idea, we'd, we'd welcome up, but we need to get down uh, to have some options and give them to the president. The other thing the president did is basically say, look, to the extent that we're making investments, we want to make sure that we make investments uh, in art um, and other things that tell America's story. And we'll be doing that by commissioning additional uh, statues and stories. I want to move on because I, I think people need to recognize that the national parks, the, the properties that the public owns are of great value. And it gives us something not just to celebrate, but uh, to be able to explore nature, the outdoors, to recognize the value of some of our, uh, I would call them God-made treasures. No man built some of these great, wonderful masterpieces and how w delighted it, it must be for families to be able to go and see them and knowing that the government is preserving them so they don't get ruined. That's got to be one of the great thrills in your role as uh, Secretary of the Interior. Oh, it is an incredible day. Every day, I have a chance to go visit with the visiting public at America's Parks. Yesterday, uh, the second lady and I were at the... Um, at Shenandoah National Park, uh, mm. which is about an hour outside, an hour and a half outside of DC. And look, we all know, you know, uh, your uh, daughter and, and, and grandkids have experienced this. The getting outside is one of the most healthy things you can do. And you can do it uh, in our national parks and you walk away inspired. Um, our parks serve as a place of respite, 
a place of enjoyment and really a place of inspiration. People often, I still remember the first moment I walked into a national park and learned something in a little park in Colorado that stimulated my learning for years. And those are the moments that happen in these great treasures that we protect. And let me tell you, the president has done something really incredible here. We are on the verge. We are on the verge of securing legislation um, that will make one of the biggest uh, contributions to our national park uh, improvement ever uh, in terms of funding uh, money, providing us money to deal with our maintenance backlog, which is really extreme. And the president has worked with Congress to do that. this. And even in, even in this moment where there's deep tensions within the country, we have found a way to secure legislation that will fundamentally ensure that our parks are not only there for us, but are there for future generations. And it's really a testament to the president's um, interest in ensuring that we take care of these great places that inspire all of us. Mr. Secretary, I can't think of a better way for us to conclude to, uh, to, to be reminded that there are a few things in Washington that still function. Let's hope this legislation sails through. This certainly isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. It's an American issue. We all ought to take great pride in our properties and, and our heritage, and, and you've done a great job in helping us do that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. You can follow the Secretary on social media at Secretary Bernhardt and visit doi.gov to see what the Interior Department is doing to protect our natural resources as well as our heritage. And if you'd like more of my take on the news, drop by Huckabee.tv for facts of the matter. I'm going to be revealing some of Joe Biden's most unwoke policies, and we'll be looking at the demands of the LA Teachers Union for attacks on the rich and defunding the police before they say they'll even return to their duties. Be sure to join me after the show on Huckabee.tv. Now Keith Bilbrey is gonna tell you what else we have to look forward to tonight, and it's a lot. Tonight, how Navy SEALs and a dog named Cairo did in Osama Bin Laden, plus comedian Bob Zaney, Huck's hero Xavier DeGroote, and the Zemed Brothers celebrate the music of the Everly Brothers. Stay tuned to Huckabee. Welcome back. Well, Will Chesney is a decorated Navy SEAL who trained an indispensable member of Operation Neptune Spear. That's the raid that took out Osama bin Laden. Will's partner was a military dog named Cairo. The story of their partnership is told in this inspiring book called No Ordinary Dog. I'm going to tell you something. That is an understatement. Would you give a hero's welcome to Will Chesney? You know, Will, I'm so delighted to have you here. I am in awe of anybody who even tries to go into the Navy SEALs. I'm even more in awe of the people who come out because only 20% of the people who start the program ever get out of it. So, I mean, that's, that's in itself amazing. Yeah, they make you want it, that's for sure. Why on earth did you want to go through all that to be a SEAL? Because, I mean, it is just, it's, it's almost inhumane what you do to become one. I went 
with the purpose to serve my country and to test myself and to put myself through that. But along the way, I made some of the best friends I could ask for. But you guys, if one of you doesn't truly care about any of the others, a life could be lost. I mean, it's, it's not just a fraternity or a club. You guys depend on each other for your very lives, don't you? We do. It's, uh, it's why they make it so difficult. You mm -hmm. don't just become a Navy SEAL to say that you're a Navy SEAL. Like, to, like this guy named Mike Monsoor, he literally jumped on onto a grenade saving his teammates. Mm -hmm. He received the Medal of Honor for that, but that's the kind of job that it is. And in order to get those men, you have to, to prove it, and they do that through buds, basic underwater demolition seals. Will, I am a dog person. I love dogs. I, I, I will alienate some audience people when I say I'm not a big cat person, but they're okay. <laughs> but I'm a dog person. I think God gave us dogs to make us better people. I truly believe that. But the dogs that you work with in the military, totally different kind of experience. I was blown away by the training the dogs have to be a military dog and the things that they're capable of doing. Most of the book is about uh, Cairo, your dog. This is not Cairo. Cairo has uh, taken the trip across the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Um, but you and Cairo were quite a team. How did you bond with this dog, and how did that come about that you said, yeah, I'll be a dog handler as a Navy SEAL? The book is for Cairo. Uh, he got shot even before the big mission, and even towards the end of his career, he helped me get through some personal issues that I... Uh, that I had go through in detail in there. In many ways, um, you saved his life. I, I, the story of him getting shot, I figured, when I read that, I said, well, I, I thought he got bin Laden. He's done. He wasn't done. He came back. He came back. Um, we saved his life. A lot of the times, unfortunately, the dogs don't survive getting injured like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, whether military, law enforcement, it happens. When I saw him shot on the battlefield, I immediately thought he was dead. Mm. Um, luckily, we're surrounded by great people. Uh, really great people. I don't just say that. The amount of training and effort that went in from the medical personnel to the helicopter pilots to everybody, they saved his life. And if it wasn't for their dedication and their training, and you know, we did our part as well, but we can't take all the credit. It was just a really cool thing to see. Thought he was dead, and they saved him. This amazing dog, though, uh, you saved his life, but he saved yours and a lot of other people's. Tell us what Cairo did in the mission that took out Osama bin Laden, how he played that role. So the dogs, their nose is their biggest capability, their biggest tool. Cairo was trained to detect explosive odor and man odor. So his job that night, well, I say my job was just to, to babysit him. I put him in the best position to use his nose. He was looking for booby traps, IEDs, hidden rooms, anywhere where somebody might be hiding, ambush, you know. Uh, we did sweeps of the perimeter. Once we felt the perimeter was secure, we moved our way to the inside, and we started with the first floor, second floor. Eventually, the mission was accomplished. We had to get out of there pretty quick. Uh, the mission wasn't over. We, once we landed, it was kind of, that's the moment I remember, like, I could take kind of a breath. We weren't done working, but everybody, I remember looking around the hangar and seeing everybody was alive. The mission was accomplished, and uh, you know, I got to do the whole thing with my dog. That was pretty cool. I think it's an extraordinary story. Cairo was one of the real heroes in that raid that took out Osama bin Laden. And I think we underestimate the, the power, the years of training that go into one of the dogs. I know we said Cairo is not with us, although his story is here. It's such a great book. People, if they want to understand why we need to be so grateful to you guys, so proud of you, 
uh, and the dogs that serve our military. This book is the one to read. But you've got a new uh, dog with you. This is not a German Shepherd. It's a Belgian Malinos? Belgian Malinois. Malinois. And she also has some Dutch Shepherd in her. Her huh? mom was a Dutch Shepherd, so she's a little mix of both. That's why. And, and what's her name? Her name is Nala. Nala. Yeah, she's named after the, the from the Lion King. Ah, the, and she's going to have a lot more training. This is still kind of uh, in the process, I guess, right? She's still in the process. She's, she takes it. Uh, yeah, the training never stops. Once mm. we get the dogs in the military pretty trained, and uh, we still have to train some things into them, but some take some things out of them, so, and uh, the training never ends. Same uh, thing with these I've got dogs. some grandkids. Could I send them over to you? You think you can? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think could you do some you? good. Yeah, yeah, oh, hey, I'm hey. thinking maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say again, uh, God bless you, my friend. And uh, I love Cairo's story. Like I say, I love dogs. I love dog stories. I don't like dog stories that end sadly. But there's such a great memory here. And uh, I hope people will read this book because what Will has done is given us an insight into not only the Navy SEALs dedication, but also those dogs. And if you're a dog person, this book will make you just want to sit up and give your dog an extra treat tonight. I'm pretty sure of that. It's like a, it's like a Marley and me, a Navy SEAL Marley and me. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize that these dogs do lay down their lives for us mm. a lot. And well, uh, it's an honor to bring attention to Cairo's story and all of their stories. And it's a beautiful story. Well, it has been an honor to have you on the show. And I want Keith Bilber to tell our viewers how they can get their own copy of this incredible book, No Ordinary Dog. Sure thing, Governor. No Ordinary Dog, my partner from the SEAL teams to the Bin Laden raid. It's available now at Amazon.com and all major booksellers. You can also connect with Will Chesney on Instagram. Just follow at Will Cheese. That's with three E's in the middle. Next, the hilarious comedy of Bob Zaney and Huck's hero, Xavier Gerbrough. Later, the Zement Brothers pay tribute to the Everly Brothers here on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Welcome back. How about a big hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection? Yeah. Well, you know my next guest from hip movies like Joe Dirt, the Bob and Tom radio show, and over a thousand TV shows, including 17 years co-hosting the Jerry Lewis Telethon. His latest project is the YouTube sitcom called Casino Boss. Now, his biggest achievement ever? He can add this show to his collection of... That wasn't a punchline, folks. That's... It's a big deal for him to be here. It is a big deal for us to have the very funny Bob Zaney. Please welcome Oh, yeah! Thank you. Thank you. That was so unexpected. Look, I got to say something up front, and Trey, you know this. There's been concerns about my act, about the material that I was going to do that might be off-color or offensive. So I want to reassure everyone in this room that I've gotten rid of those jokes, and I want to thank you. You've been a fantastic crowd. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I am excited to be here, Governor. I can't believe this. I mean, I started on this business. So many people said, Bob, you'll never perform in front of 25 scattered people. 
with Mike Huckabee. Well, I've arrived, baby! I, uh, my last show I had was in Jackpot, Nevada. Has anybody ever heard of Jackpot, Nevada? Let, let me paint a picture. It's, it's on the edge of Idaho. It's a casino town, three casinos, general store, post office, trailer park. <laughs> and I'm walking through the casino, Cactus Pete's, be there in November, walking through the casino, older gentleman at the penny slot looked up at me and said, hey, Bob Zaney, what's the joke of the day? I said, you're a winner. Because <laughs> I'm a people person, I love people. And Governor, I truly believe without people, we wouldn't even be here. <laughs> How'd I lose you on that one? <laughs> but I do love people. I had a woman come up to me and she said, I have 15 cats. I said, wow, I have one. She said, what's it called? I said, normal. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if that joke was gonna get a laugh. I thought it could be a big cat hoarder crowd. And then this is it. I had this other lady come up to me after a show. She said, I, I thought you were very funny in the beginning, but at the end, I didn't like you. I said, wow, that's so weird. You know, I saw you walking over, and I thought you were so pretty. No, not so much. Because <laughs> it's about people. I truly, you know, I it's, when you, it's who you are. You can't stop it. I love asking people their names. I had a woman in the show. I said, what's your name? She said, Chantel. I said, no, please do. There was another guy, you're gonna love this, Governor. His name was Corey. I said, Corey? He said, yeah, but with a K. I said, I'm sorry, I pronounced it with a C. <laughs> and there was, a, there was a kid in the audience, his name was Dallas, and I said, that's a great name. He said, yeah, my parents said that was the city I was conceived in. And I thought about this, my uncle did something similar. You should meet my cousins, truck stop, Ferris wheel, and prison. <laughs> Now, now, Ferris well suffers from vertigo. <laughs> Look at that guy Googling it right now, going, vertigo. I do a thing on the radio called the Zany Report. I've done it on the Bob and Tom show for years. Anybody ever heard the Zany Report? <laughs> I got some news stories for you, Gov. Okay, real quick. Uh, the Las Vegas City Council has outlawed urination and defecation in public. They say it's been their number one and number two priority. <laughs> Hamden, Connecticut, a 13-year-old boy woke up and found a skunk in his bed. The smell was so bad, the skunk left. <laughs> Alabama. You, you go to Alabama a lot, right? I, oh, are you from Alabama? Just point to somebody, Trey. <laughs> Act like you're the leader. Alabama, a cougar found at a local motel has been euthanized. Now officials are warning women over 50 to stay away from this motel. <laughs> Boise, Idaho. This is interesting. The city recorded its hottest day at 106 degrees, beating out the last record of 105 degrees set in 1875. Now, of course, officials are blaming the record heat on global warming, and in 1875, they blamed it on summer. <laughs> it was called summer. Port Charlotte, uh, Florida, a woman says lightning destroyed her septic tank, causing her toilet to explode. And you're gonna love this, Governor. In a, in a sense of poetic justice, it also hit the ceiling fan.
a sad note. A seven-year-old Kansas City man robbed a bank because he preferred incarceration instead of continuing to live with his wife. The sad part, he's been placed under house arrest. And finally, in Buena Park, California, a man was arrested for biting the eyebrow off another man in a bar fight. Now, they didn't release the name of the victim, but they said you'd know him if you saw him. <laughs> Thank you all very much. You're fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Bob, that was terrific. Thank you. I mean, you've real honor to be on your show, by the way. Thank you. The honor is ours. We're so excited you're here. By the way, I got to compliment you on the health uh, security screening you do here before we. As oh, you good. Know, you had to yeah. go through that health, and it was very, very thorough. Yeah. Good. In fact, the lady said, "I got good news and bad news. The uh, good news is you don't have a fever. The bad news is you have enlarged prostate." <laughs> But we want to be thorough, Tom. Yeah, very. It's amazing what I mean, you do. You know, Bob, you're on we're, the very, we're very thorough. Very <laughs> thorough, indeed. But, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, you were, you, you lived in L.A., what, 50 years? My 58, 57 years. I just moved to Las Vegas. We had to get a new security system right before you left, and it's great. Uh, we play Fox News 24-7. So everybody thinks we have a gun. <laughs> what a, oh, what you a great think guy to do that. You think I'm kidding, but the neighbors watch MSNBC been robbed four times. <laughs> That's a great new burglar alarm, isn't it? That's great. <laughs> oh, you, you're doing a YouTube thing called Casino Boss. Casino Boss. I'm uh, one of the stars of it. Joe Piscopo's involved in it. He's been on our show. Joe's a great guy. He is a great guy. And uh, you can go to CasinoBossTV.com and watch a bunch of episodes. And But I'm doing that. And I also go to thrift stores. You like going to thrift stores? I didn't think so. I, the whole look on your face. Trey, you have to put up. Trey, focus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got some stuff I want to share with you. My, I'd love you, to see it. I got, we, maybe is, I'm missing something. Well, which camera? This one? Look at that. Six orange mustaches. <laughs> and the best thing about these are there's a warning for ages three and up. Because as we know, a two-year-old with an orange mustache, just not believable. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to Google sarcasm right now? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great book. Codependent No More. Oh, this book and I are inseparable. We go everywhere together. <laughs> I just hope I'm making it happy. I think some of them are just now getting that one. <laughs> you know what people do? They donate their, uh, their arts and crafts. This is cool. <laughs> Someone made this. It says, an aunt is like a mom, but cooler. <laughs> and on the back, it says, an uncle is like a dad, but creepier. <laughs> A lot of homemade. Can't believe you would take that off your wall and bring it here. That's, well, I, that's impressive. <laughs> how did you know? Well, oh no. I, uh, <laughs> this came out in 1964. It's a game by Parker Brothers called Probe. Ah, <laughs> Isn't that great. And I did my due diligence, and that's all it's in there. <laughs> Invented by a urologist, I'm sure. I lied. There, I guess this is for the bonus <laughs> round. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Now I I I I've had a weight problem my whole life, and I finally found something that I I can actually finally commit to. It's the 120 year diet. <laughs> now, Governor, I'm no nutritionist. That's real, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is real. I'm no nutritionist, but let's just say you're 119. Yeah. Can't you have a cupcake and a vodka? <laughs> At that point, yeah. what difference? It, 
does it make? They didn't come out with a sequel. <laughs> well, oh, this is a great book here. This is the woman who wouldn't talk. So I'm thinking it's probably fiction. <laughs> I was actually in college with her. I, I want you to know, I knew you knew her. I knew her. I, 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 I truly uh, do. Yep. There you go. <laughs> now, this is the best thing. Uh, this is my favorite rapper in the whole wide world. Uh, this is 50 Cent. No, 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 no. 50 Cent. No, 50. Well, where I come from, 50 Cent. <laughs> 50, 50, yeah. But look what they did, Gov. They, they, they framed the CD, yeah. and then you can't write this. Price tag, 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said it. That's what it was going to be, right? Do you think they had to have a big meeting at the Goodwill? Well, if we charge a dollar, it does say 50 cent right there. And somebody will file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission right. over that. And, and they cover that up. They're not going to know it's Curtis Jackson III. <laughs> I'm a fan. You know, he claimed bankruptcy. Did you know that? And part of the deal he had to make with the court, he yeah. now has to change his stage name to Nickelback. <laughs> True story. You know, I, I really, I got to tell you, I love having comedians on our show, and you're about as funny as we've ever had. I, will you come back sometime I would and be love with to, us? You know that. Well, uh, despite what Trey says, we'd love to have you back. Well, Trey's we really would. Trey, you're, you're great. How old are you? Thank you. <laughs> but thank you very much. It's a joy. What a great audience, too. And it's tough, you guys, with the mask thing going on. And, and thank you for the ones that kept it on. <laughs> I'm sure if you took it off, we'll know why. <laughs> what a great thrill thank to have you, you for here. Having me. And by the way, if you are up for more laughs, I hope you'll join me on Huckabee.tv. We have a little feature called In Case You Missed It. This week, we're taking sunken ATM machines, creative COVID masks, and a Ford economy car that can go 437 miles an hour in Italy. Come share some more laughs on Huckabee.tv after the show. All right, right now, I want to see if Keith Bilbrey can steer you to some more great comedy and tell you how you can find out more about Bob Zaney. Keith? Well, I would love to. The documentary Bob Zaney, Close But No Cigar, is on DVD at Amazon.com. Check out his new online sitcom, Casino Boss, at CasinoBossTV.com. And for his hilarious CDs, videos, social media links, and much more funny stuff, or to book him for your event, visit BobZaney.com. Coming up, Huck's hero, Xavier DeGroote. Then the Zmad Brothers honor Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Everly Brothers, on Huckabee. Welcome back. Hey, with the prevalence of autism today, it can be challenging for parents as well as teachers, uh, particularly to understand how to help children with autism excel in life. My Huck's hero tonight was diagnosed with autism at the age of four, but he's proving to everyone that he's a lot more than a label. Watch. <laughs> In the hallways of an elementary school, there was a boy named Xavier. By his peer standards, he was strange, and his differences got him into trouble. Fellow students would bully him for who he was. Teachers would discipline him because of misunderstandings. 
But in those tough times, a dream was kindled. Through the hardships came his dream to see people with autism given a voice, a hope, and a future. He chased his dream, became an advocate for autism, and started Xavier DeGroat's Autism Foundation, creating and promoting opportunities for people with autism. His valiant efforts make him more than a great person. He is a hero. With me tonight is Xavier DeGroat. Xavier, welcome. So happy to have you here. Thanks. In the video, it became very clear that your experience is like that of a lot of people with autism. They get misdiagnosed. They get treated sometimes as problem children, behavioral issues. You know, it must have been a challenge as you grew up and had people always either picking on you or misunderstanding you. What gave you the capacity just to keep your focus forward? I would never let anyone tell me what I can and can't do. I was labeled very frequently as a child and I was misdiagnosed with ADHD, also given Ritalin when I was four years old. But I would not let any of my professionals or teachers um, tell me what I should and should not do because I can figure out things in life as easily as anyone else in this world as long as I'm given the opportunity to reach my potential with my dreams and fantasies. But I decided later on as I faced many more challenges in high school than ever before that I'm going to become an advocate and fight for others with similar challenges. You know, it must have been discouraging, though. You had people that picked on you, that kind of thing. Uh, what is it that most people don't understand about those with autism? People don't understand that people on the spectrum have very wide variety of skills and not always a disability because they have several um, challenges that sometimes can lead them to be more fixated with certain subjects to go after with their own skills and not be considered disabled, but differently abled. And I was one of those when I was a child with um, memory, with photographs and history. I could go on and on telling many students and teachers about what I learned on my own reading books about Theodore Roosevelt or several other people like Henry Ford, because I've been very interested in history as a child as well. And I would be very quite honestly my own educator. And ever since I've um, learned on the autism spectrum that people have quite the astonishment to make a proof that they could do things as good as others, I've been one of those that has really been motivated to disprove any of my doubters in my life and move forward. Mm. One of the people that really told us about you was uh, my friend Rudy Giuliani, who uh, somehow you became friends with, and he got you to the White House and met the president. How did you and Rudy hook up? I don't, I don't know that story. Um, we met at the Ernie L's golf outing that we have every year in March and down in um, Jupiter, Florida. And it takes place to raise funds as Ernie L's son has autism and he raises a lot of awareness to help dedicate others with challenges throughout education. And he has a great school there that Mayor Rudy Giuliani is on the board of um, advisors on. And he said, I'm gonna give you my number. You're a great inspiration, man. Keep up the work and let's stay in touch and mm. I'll help you meet President Trump one day. And he did. He kept his promise, which I think is uh, really extraordinary. When you met with the president, what? What did you tell him? Did you talk to him about autism and the need to maybe put a, a bigger focus on this for so many families? 
yes, I've um, told um, him to help um, network me so we can get many other families with, um, or people that are very interested in um, helping people with autism. One great example of that was um, Dr. Temple Grannon, a real known mm. um, scientist that has autism, has been very eager to help mentor people on the spectrum. And so I used her strategies and principles, reading her book, Thinking in Pictures, to help others with autism challenges because autism is a wide spectrum that has different needs uh, depending on the function of them or depending on their interest and fixation. It might be art, it might be physics, it might be history. So um, thinking in pictures is a frequent thought that I've been able to find out a lot of parents said their child may have um, great skills at or either drawing and giving good memory, being a photographer, or even becoming a communicator in the public. We can communicate just like anyone else as long as we great, get great skills of asset and told that we can move forward with our own dreams like anyone else. Well, Xavier, I, I can tell you, you are a great communicator. You are a wonderful asset, not just to people with autism, but to help all of us better understand it. And we're so grateful to have you here. You are indeed our Hux hero for a whole lot of reasons, and we're delighted to have you here. Thank you. Keith, I want you to tell our audience how they can keep up to date with Xavier and the wonderful foundation that he has created. Well, to find out more about Xavier and serve those with autism, visit XavierDegroteFoundation.org and keep up to date with his mission by following him on social media. Next, the Zamet Brothers. Celebrate the music legacy of the Everly Brothers. War Huckabee is on the So glad you're with us. You know, in the 1950s and 60s, the Everly Brothers had enormous hit songs. Things like Bye Bye Love, Wake Up Little Susie, and All I Have to Do is Dream. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame. To help us understand the musical significance of the Everly Brothers, please welcome a modern musical duo, Dylan and Zach, the Zamed Brothers. Good to have you guys Thank here. You. Thank you. You know, I had a chance to listen to you in rehearsals this afternoon, and it's like, close your eyes, I'm listening to the Everly Brothers. Beautiful, beautiful tribute uh, to this just incomparable duo. How did you decide that you wanted to, to really pay tribute to their music and keep it alive for the rest of America? So our parents definitely played 50s and 60s music yeah. for us growing up. Uh, our mother's a second grade teacher. She was a second grade teacher. She just retired. She can take care of us full time again now. But uh, <laughs> our, uh, our, uh, our dad's an entertainer, and we spend the school years in California in the summers traveling the country with our dad mm. with whatever play he was doing. And for so much of our childhood, he was playing Danny Zuko in the musical Grease. Wow. And since that set in uh, 1959, before each performance began, they played all the great music of the late 50s. Mm. And it was the first music we ever heard. So in our own way, we were raised on 50s music. So yeah. it's, it's part Which of Which ain't our... half bad, by yeah. the way. It's oh, pretty good stuff. <laughs> and that's, yeah, like it's, it's such a pivotal time in American history and just with in industry and just culture. And 
the, the, it's, that's the big reason why I think it's yeah. there an access point to early music like country and R&B and then early, like rock and roll and all that. They, they really serve as that. They were there at this pivotal time. So, well, you know, everybody from the Beach Boys, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, uh, all said that uh, the Everly Brothers had a big influence on their music. So these guys were of seminal importance to the evolution of rock and roll in the yeah. 50s and 60s. Uh, their harmonies, unbelievable. And it's interesting, it seems like that there is something about family being able to have a harmony. I know the Martins, the incredible gospel singers, they're mm -hmm. unbelievable. The Gatlin brothers, and I'm thinking of some that, you know, they just have these great harmonies. It was the Martins who said to me, it's because they were taught how to speak by the same mother. Mm -hmm. And they grew up with same intonations and tones. I'd never thought of it. I thought there was something genetic. Yeah. But clearly you guys have what the Everly Brothers had in that just extraordinary harmony. It, did you get encouraged to do music as a kid? Yeah, I mean, seeing our dad, you know, warm up for, yeah. and getting to see him on stage, it, it made us, you know, think that it was actually possible to have mm. a career. Yeah, we grew up at, backstage in theaters, and uh, I know you were saying this is the Conway Twitty. It was. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool, the history here. Um, but yeah, they definitely made us feel like it was possible, and we used to warm up with them. Yeah. And uh, we, he sang every the brother songs to us, and uh, I think, um, yeah, there's something about family singing together, and obviously Don and Phil Everly were kind of there at such a pivotal moment, but there's so many incredible sibling acts that preceded them, or family acts. Yeah, they've been kind of the gateway to teach us about the Bales brothers and the Blue Sky Boys. The Leuven brothers. The, the Delmore Stanley brothers, brothers and the Mills brothers. There's so many groups from the 30s all the way to yeah. the 50s that we're just, it, people don't know about them right now because they're, it, but it's, and as brothers, we feel it's kind of our responsibility to know the history of, of brothers and music. I am glad you're doing it because you're, reintroducing a whole lot of new fans to the Everly Brothers songs. But I'm gonna tell you something. I'm sure when you guys are doing performances and shows, you look out there in the crowd and people my age and older are out there with tears coming down their eyes and they're thinking, man, you're bringing back some great memories. Yeah, it, yeah there are certain songs in the catalog. I think the other amazing thing about the Everly Brothers is that their song, many of their songs, not all of them, but Many of them were written by husband and wife songwriting team, Felice and Boodle O'Brien, mm. and just more family, you know. Yeah. They were the right. first song, like actual songwriting team out of Nashville, just they specifically yeah. stuck to songwriting. Wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's getting to live those memories, relive them with people who grew up with their, that in that time, that generation. It's, it, it's the moment we walked out on stage doing the first show. Yeah. We felt that and we realized, we're dealing with something, You're way, tapping into something way bigger than ourselves. Well, you know yeah. what? I think we ought to quit talking and do some playing. I oh, think, what do you think? Yeah. Some Everly Brothers music. I, I can't wait. In a moment, the Zemed Brothers are going to sing an incredible Everly Brothers classic. But before that, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you how to get more of their music. And once you hear them, you're going to say, I got to have that because it brings back the best memories. Keith? Well, for more information about the Everly Brothers experience and the Zamed Brothers music, go to the ZamedBrothers.com. And after the show, go to Huckabee.tv for an online exclusive performance of them singing another Everly's classic, All I Have to Do is Dream.
Coming up, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, paying tribute to the Emily Brothers with the Mad Brothers. Wake up, little Susie is just 60 seconds away. In 1957, the Everly Brothers had a number one hit song with Wake Up Little Susie. Now, here to perform the classic hit song is Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with the governor on bass. It's the Zamad Brothers! Wake up, little Susie. 